that continues to help folks who are not well served because then we can meet them wherever they are. Um, you don't have to start a shop. You don't have. You don't even have to go to the farmer's market. You don't have to build a website, right? You have a thing you want to sell. You have a business you want to start. Um, you have a passion you want to explore. It should be possible from wherever you are. Um, and, and as long as you have people who want to buy the thing you're selling, your time, your goods, whatever, we should make it possible. Um, and so that's sort of what. Hey everyone, and welcome to For the Love of Product, brought to you by the Product-Led Alliance. I'll be your host, Tiana Hanson-Drury, Chief Product Officer at MENA Technologies and all-around passionate product aficionado. Each episode, we'll be looking at the head and the heart behind product-led growth, the passion and the practice of product, and we'll be picking the brains of seasoned CPOs and heads of products, as well as visionary founders and investors getting their inside stories. Enjoy! And welcome to another episode of For the Love of Product. Uh, today, I am joined uh, by a person who brings over 14 years of experience in tech, including leadership roles in engineering, architecture, and product. His name is Osei Ikwenobe, and he brings extensive knowledge of complex system, data integrations in cloud and on-premise platforms to his work, and has done everything from working with early stage startups to defining their kind of early product and growth strategies, all the way to today where he is head of product for orders and checkout at Square. And Square is not an early stage startup. It currently has, at the time of recording, a market cap of $48 billion. So uh, during his career, he has worked on products in a truly global sense. And that's going to be one of the things that we dig into today. Um, he's worked on launches across North America, Europe, South America, Asia, and Africa. Uh, since joining Square, his work has been mainly led to uh, launches in their primary markets of UK, Japan, Canada, Australia, and US. He's an advisor at Fuse Inventory, and he also served on the board of Berkeley's Community Scholars for several years. I am so pleased to have him joining us today. Asayi, where are you zooming in from? I'm in Atlanta currently. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. What's Atlanta like today? Uh, it's going to be hot because you know, it's, it's, it's the summertime um, and I think it's, it might be 90 degrees or more today, but it's sunny and not raining and there are no storms. So we're, we're not complaining too much. But yeah, it's, it's the time of the year where it starts to get hot. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, being here in London and previously based in Seattle, I have to say I'm always excited about someone dialing in from a sunny, hot place. So I'm envious of that. <laughs> No, they don't. They don't call it. They don't call it Atlanta for no reason. So definitely <laughs> that's, <hot. laughs> that's true. And how long have you been in Atlanta? Uh, a couple of years. We we moved here uh, in the middle of the pandemic, actually, a couple of years ago from San Francisco. So it's been two years. Nice. And uh, you moved there with Square, is that right? Yes, I did. So I, I uh, just before the pandemic, we were planning to 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 have all this growth, um, and we were looking to grow outside of San Francisco, because I had quarters in San Francisco and, and Jack Dorsey was very adamant about growing the company uh, outside of the bubble, as he would say. Uh, and so Atlanta, St. Louis are places where we've been trying to grow our offices. Um, and a, a large percentage of my team, maybe about half or 40% were in Atlanta uh, and I was flying here a lot from San Francisco. And so it was one of those, hey, I could just move to Atlanta and fly back to San Francisco. Um, and, and Atlanta is a lot closer to my family uh, in the Midwest, my family in Europe and in Africa. So um, we're like, let's do it. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, and we were still committed to moving, so we moved. Uh, and I joke 
I moved here to help sort of be a presence at an office uh, and I haven't been to the office in a few years. I've been a, <laughs> 10 times in the last two years. <laughs> so to, totally distributed. Well, uh, from the little I know about you, I can guarantee your presence. You may be in a virtual hub there, but I can guarantee you're serving your purpose of being a good presence for everyone on the ground. So well, I appreciate um, that. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, cool. So tell us, uh, before we dive into you and your background, you said something interesting about um, Jack Percy's goal of building outside of the bubble. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, as an employee, why, why that mattered and what you think was important about that and how it impacts the way you guys build the company, but also your product? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I spent, I mean, I was born in Nigeria uh, and, and lived there until I went to college. Uh, and then I spent many years in the Midwest. So um, I always tell people I'm from Nigeria, from the Midwest. And, and then I lived in California is how I would describe myself. Um, and if you look at Square Sellers, yes, we have a ton of sellers in San Francisco. Yes, we have a ton of sellers in New York. But a lot of our sellers are all over the country, right? They're, they're in the middle of the country. And and so if you are a company that does what we do, trying to enable commerce for, for small businesses and, and trying to empower um, folks in the economy, you kind of need to be where your, 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 your sellers are. We don't really call them customers, we call them merchants, where your sellers and merchants are. Um, and you got to leave you know, Market Street in San Francisco. And so it was really about trying to put our offices where the people we work for are. Um, and then just, you know, having different points of view about how we build the product. Uh, and and um, Jack's from St. Louis. I lived in St. Louis for a long time. And, and so it's also just, you know, we have a lot of leaders at a company who are also from the middle of the country or in different places. And so it was very much, um, let's get out of the bubble. Let's go talk to our customers. Let's live where they live. Let's understand their context. Let's understand what they need. Um, and yeah, so it really came from, if we're going to truly really serve our purpose of economic empowerment, we need to be out and about in the country and the world, not on Market Street in San Francisco. Absolutely. And this is, uh, let's see, this is the second time uh, that you've worked for a company led by Jack Dorsey. Right? You also <laughs> had some experience in Twitter. So clearly, or maybe I'm making assumptions, you know what they say about that, but clearly you're down with uh, the types of businesses that he chooses to focus on or the way he runs businesses. What's the How did that happen? Was it actually like, yes, I'm going to go work for another one of his companies or was it yeah. driven? That's a fascinating question because it wasn't on purpose. Um, uh, the first time I, I left Twitter, I was in business school and there was an opportunity to work at Twitter while I was in business school. Um, and Twitter is an amazing product. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like the town square right, of the world. Um, and, and so huge, huge, huge fan of Jack because, you know, again, I lived in St. Louis um, for, for over eight years. I lived in the in Missouri for 12 plus years. Um, so um, there was a sense of like, hey, this, this, this person's from St. Louis, they created a company, this is awesome. Um, and I think Square is just, um, actually funny enough, I was referred to Square by somebody that I worked with at Twitter, <laughs> I think about it. Um, and who left Twitter and went to, to Square. Um, I think Square is just been um, a passion of mine. I. I've been fascinated by financial technology and bringing that to folks that financial technology didn't used to be built for. 
um, and some of this comes from living in Africa. And, and so for me at the time when I was leaving Walmart, um, it was really like, this is what I want to do. I know I want to work in financial technology. I know I want to work um, at a place that's trying to open the doors of opportunity to, to small businesses uh, and to folks who, who technology isn't built for. There weren't many companies doing that. Right? There are a few more now, but you know, at the time, there were many companies doing it in the way that I believed in. Um, and, and it was Square or, or I know internet.org at the time, it, it, then Facebook was thinking of things. Um, and then there were some companies in Africa, but there wasn't really much. And so Square has always been sort of a dream uh, for me of like, hey, here's a company that's doing things the way I believe. Um, and that comes from Jack, right? And and, um, and it's really about the folks we're trying to serve. It's really about taking risks, um, calculated risks. And so, yeah, I, and I remember when I, when I joined Square, I, I wrote a tweet saying, oops, I did it again <laughs> and, tagged, and tagged Jack, which I think he liked. He may have liked my dad to go check. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's, it's uh, if there's anything, maybe he, he's about putting things out in the world that, that will last um, and that are serving a need that that's beyond just a point in time need. Um, and both Twitter and, and Square, you could say are not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, okay. The, one of the biggest things that appealed to you about Square, I guess, was opening up those financial services to all those underserved uh, kind of small, medium businesses and, and being intentional about that. Right. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. So since, since joining, um, tell us a little bit about what you've been working on and how, how much have you got to continue to pursue kind of that, or mission about why you made that choice to oops do it again. Yeah. Um, so my first role at Square was the checkout experience, uh, which was super exciting when I joined because like it's it's the thing that most people who are not merchants know about Square, right? You've signed on the screen, you've um, you know added a tip on the screen, which is actually somewhat surprisingly quite controversial, turns out, tipping. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, and so my first role was to effectively redesign that experience, um, which, you know, which was amazing, uh, an amazing opportunity. It's the most visible thing. We got to redesign it. And, and um, because we were, at that point, we were growing beyond just folks who were using it on their phone, right? Um, and, and yeah, that was an amazing experience to get to touch the thing that effectively every square seller is going to use, uh, which was, which was great for me. Uh, and, um, we got to share what we were building with sellers. You heard from them. We got some things wrong. We got some things right. <laughs> you iterated. Um, and so for me, that first year, year and a half was really validated why I'd gone to work at Square because um, you you got to meet with with the sellers, you know, immigrants who just started a restaurant, right? Um, someone who was expanding from one store to another store. Uh, and so you saw the full spectrum of, of sellers. And I remember um, one of our leaders at the time telling me that um, sort of square merchants, their businesses are an extension of themselves, which has always, always struck with me. You, you, they're not, they don't go into business to be in business, right? They, they, they go in business because they have a dream and they have a passion and, 
and they want to grow it. And, and in all these businesses are an extension of the person, right? They're an extension of, of how they operate in their community. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's been amazing. Uh, and, and owning so the things I own at Square, the checkout experience, our reporting experiences, the order management experiences sort of continue that, that streak of, you know, being at the heart of what people need to, to run their businesses and, and to manage their businesses. Um, and, you know, this will sound super cheesy, but I tell people that when I, I love meeting our merchants, I love meeting merchants in general. And, and when I do, I sometimes don't believe that I have a real job because <laughs> I'm like, how is this, how is this actually a real job? I'm just talking to people who are, you know, in some cases are like my mom who ran a, who ran a small businesses, small business. Um, and yeah, you hear their stories and they're, they're amazing. Like the, the risks they take, the, the passion they have for what they do, uh, the, 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 the care they have for their employees and their customers. Um, so yeah, I, I continue to do that. And, and so meeting our merchants around the world as, as I've, I've, I've done, uh, is the best part of the job and continues to be. How does, um, how does watching your mom and her experience shape what you do like um both when you were specifically managing the checkouts but now as head of that area kind of yeah. like how does she show up in your work great question um i think maybe sort of this obsession with making things simpler um and making things make helping helping merchants sort of make decisions maybe um because, you know, my mom was a teacher uh, and, but had all these businesses on the side while being a teacher. Um, and, and I don't remember, I think the main challenges she always had was just keeping track of the businesses or, or, or keeping track of, you know, order management in some way, right? Um, and, and that's because business people want to, they're passionate about their business. They want to run their business. And you have maybe now and then you have some people who are super savvy. And, um, and, and have a uh, um, you know an ability to do some of the accounting and the the, 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 ma the management of the business itself, but most of them just want to run their business. They want to talk to their customers. They want to sell their the things they're selling, um, and so we can help them. We can help give them time back effectively by making things simpler, um, by giving them the opportunity to interact with their customers. Uh, and so I think that's I keep that in mind because that's really what many not all I'm not I'm not want to generalize for all business owners but many of them just want to interact with their customers um, and want to 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 focus on their passion uh, and if we can help abstract some of the complexity away that is huge for them because um, then they can just focus on their business and less than you know about running a SaaS company <laughs> right so so yeah, yeah and also and also they can focus on the other things that feed them. I mean, you as a child, I bet you would appreciate, especially if your mom was a teacher and running small businesses, her having some mm -hmm. of that time back to spend with you. That's yeah. probably one of the most rewarding things that she could have been given and for you too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So giving, giving folks time back um, and, and making it easier to do things that, that they need to do is huge. Um, yeah. For I love things. it. I love it. So let's go, let's take a step back into time. It's, uh, you guys are going to be doing your checkout launch, I believe in Japan. And there was a, a pretty pivotal, pretty pivotal part of your, your, um, your career development that happened. Tell us the story. 
Yeah, that's that's a, that's a fun story. Um, so I'll give a little background. We we launched in Japan several years ago initially, um, but didn't launch eMoney. So eMoney, which actually we just got a patent for a few weeks ago, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> uh, eMoney is for anyone that's been to Japan. Uh, eMoney is the 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 rail rail. Um, um, scheme um there's there's suica and and a few other ones um and it's effectively just like the the rail 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 card similar to to clipper in in san francisco or oyster in, in london um but someone decided oh we have these these rail rail passes we should allow people to put money on them because when you're in said train station or bus station you want to buy a snack or a drink and so if you could if they could hold a balance um, they're also good for like convenience stores and, and small purchases. Um, hugely popular and popular in Japan. Um, we didn't support it, right? So imagine having a checkout experience for think about who Square sellers are, smaller businesses, and not taking sort of one of the most popular forms of non-cash money. J- Japan is still very much a cash market. It's changed a lot um, since before the the Olympics. The government pushed a lot to. To, to make it cashless. So yeah, so we didn't have any money for years and we decided, okay, we're gonna you know, launch e-money. Um, and my team owning the checkout was a big part of that. <laughs> and um, we um, needed to launch um, a new reader that could accept e-money. So launching the reader, very different from actually launching the e-money experience and, uh, and um, and so the, the, the moment you're describing was, we're launching this new reader. Um, Jack's gonna be in, in Tokyo, um, launching this new reader. Uh, and as part of that new launch, we kind of needed to know if we were gonna say we were gonna launch e-money. <laughs> so it's one of those, you know, CEO's gonna be there on stage on newspapers talking about this new reader. Um, what, what should he say about the e-money like is it yeah it was a fascinating meeting because it was like we need we need to know what to say is it launching this year is it coming soon is it next year (laughs) um uh and so that was the scramble was you know we need to build this thing and oh by the way we need to know in a couple weeks what our messaging is going to be about it um and because we're a thoughtful company at square um we don't pre-announce things it's not our way we we almost never say this thing is coming soon and then we just do things and we, we, we ship, we ship them. Right. And so this was a weird moment of, we needed to pre-announce a thing, but at that point didn't know if what we, if it was even possible, we knew we probably could do it, but it wasn't clear because it was a really complicated um, checkout type to launch is why we hadn't done it before. Uh, And so that was the first moment of, Oh, we have a couple weeks. (laughs) to figure out what we're going to say in the launch um, comms for the new reader. Um, And the only way to really get that answer was, well, let's just go scope what it'll take to do the thing as quickly as we can. And so if we scope it and we come back and we turns out it's going to take us two years and we absolutely should not say it's coming soon (laughs) because that's not soon. Um, But if it's a few months, then maybe we can actually give them a date, right? Um, And it ended up being in between. 
Um, and so I sort of jumped in to, to, um, to do that scope and put together a presentation uh, um, uh, which required corralling almost the entire company at the time, just to like, okay, there's this thing we need to do, it's super complicated, we don't know a lot, but what do we know? What can we, you know, what rough idea do we have? Um, and so as part of that, we were able to like get, uh, I think we ended up with saying coming soon, which, you know, it's fascinating because we spent all this work just to, for language. <laughs> so I think the announcement actually said coming soon. Um, so that was the first hurdle, which was like, okay, cool, scale that. That was a fire drill to drop everything I was doing and, and do that. Um, and so we got past the comms thing. Uh, and then it was like, okay, well, you know, we've said it's coming soon. <laughs> we actually have to do the thing now. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so it, yes, I was, it was kind of my responsibility, but not solely. And it was this really hard thing. There, there were um, technical challenges with, you know, e-money transactions have to be a certain speed. It has to be under two seconds uh, to get certified. Um, um, we we were going to be building it where the thing that reads the card or or the, uh, um, Apple Pay because you could load the speaker card on Apple Pay. Um, the reader that reads it is very different from the screen where you see what's going on. It never had been done before in Japan. Usually the readers are one thing. Um, so there were just like experience challenges of how do you do this hardware, software, human interaction uh, design problem. Um, oh, by the way, you know, we're talking about Japan. We're in San Francisco. A lot of us speak Japanese. Um, and there's a massive time difference. Um, uh, and so, so there were all these challenges. And it was a moment where I went to my 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 manager at the time, um, who's been a square a long time, uh, and I was like, I think I need to do this thing, <laughs> and he's like, What? <laughs> uh, and I was like, Yeah, I I think this isn't gonna happen. Um, someone kind of has to just step up and say they're in charge of it, kind of, uh, and corral everyone, and it's gonna be hard may not we may not actually be able to get it done by the way i should point out <laughs> this thing i'm signing up for may be career limiting <laughs> because like you know lots of very important people square care about it and i think we can do it but it's going to be hard and i'm going to have to devote a ton of time to it and probably drop some other stuff and i remember you know um person who i'm still who's still close they're still close to the time was like okay you know this thing looks like it may not it may not go well. One, um, that person's boss cared a lot about it. So and so he's like, I know it may not go well. Um, I'm skeptical that you should do this, <laughs> but I'm gonna trust that you can do it. And all I ask is let you have to tell me when it's going off the rails, because I don't want to find out it's going off the rails from somebody else, because that would be bad. Um, so he's like, I, I think you can do it, go for it, but you, you have to tell me when I need to be honest to you, know, like when things aren't going well. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was the money and it consumed the next year of my life. I had to fly to Japan a few times. Um, and, and we eventually launched it. Now, obviously through that, there was typhoons, Japan got a new emperor. There was, there was a pandemic, so there were lots of like hurdles that we couldn't we couldn't 
we couldn't mitigate. But yeah, we eventually launched it. Um, we were trying to launch it before the, the Olympics. Of course, we all know what happened with the Olympics. Um, so the time pressure went away. But yeah, we eventually launched it in 2020. This, 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 what I was describing started in, 20, in 2019, so like the spring of 2019. So I remember going to Japan in, in April um, to sort of kick things off because we were stalled at some point. I'm just like, we're just, let's just go. Let's, let's fly there for a week, meet with some people, try to figure out the experience ourselves. Um, so yeah, that's the story. And um, yeah, um, he was, I think, pivotal because it was a massive effort. It was hard. It required me working with, you know, basically the most senior people at Square fairly regularly. And I learned a ton from working with them closely because we would do these biweekly reviews. I set up a review every two weeks. We would go to the most senior, the two, you know, our head of hardware and head of, of uh, seller at the time would meet with me and a few of the team every two weeks. They took time out of their, their busy lives because they cared about the stuff. And I'm like, every two weeks, we will share with you what we're doing, the good, the bad, where we're stuck. Um, and the idea was if we do it every two weeks, there's not enough time for something really bad to happen. <laughs> so two weeks is pretty often. Uh, and yeah, and, and it was great and, and gained a lot, built a lot of relationships, learned a lot um, and sort of set me up for, you know, all the things I've done. Um, and, and I tell people I'm probably still riding, <laughs> riding the wave of getting any money done at Square till today. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that story in, in a nutshell. Big, uh, big risks, big rewards. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What, do you, what is someone listening to you now supposed to take away from that? What do you want them to, to leave with? Yeah. A couple of things. And what, a big part of the story I, 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 I left out <laughs> was how I got to say, hey, I'm going to go jump in front of this train. Um, and, and, um, and that came from some trust, right? So the, the manager I talked about um, had taken over my team and, and um, we, and I had, you know, I, we'd had a situation happen where um, we were short of headcount on our team and the team was going to be going one direction and I wasn't happy with it. And I remember like getting on a plane and flying to New York. <laughs> Cause I'm like, we got to talk through this. Right. And I think that experience of me sharing my concerns and the person being res responsive um, earned to me a ton of the respect and, and trust. Um, and so without that trust, I don't get the opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to go to this risky thing that could blow up in all of our faces, right? Um, and also without that, I don't have the confidence to do that either, right? And, and so um, the, this stuff builds up and, and you need people who will be honest with you um, about the kind of risks you're taking. And you need people who will, will trust you, right, to, to, to try hard things. Um, and, and I could not have done that without that history of, you know, I built up the trust and the confidence from the leaders prior to that. Um, and that is what gave me at least the confidence and what gave them the trust that let's let this person try this. And, and we trust that they will do their best and that if it's possible, they will find a way. Um, that's the part of the story I left out a little bit. And I think that's that's really the takeaway is um, 
taking big risks one you have to take you sort of have to take risks in your career at some point you have to try to do something that scares you you have to try to do something in my case that's really hard and complicated um and you sort of have to you know sometimes it's where we call it giving away your legos you kind of have to give away your legos to get more um and and that I think is is the thing that that matters. Um, and and sometimes it means making sure you have good succession plans so that like your team can run itself, so you have space to do something else. Just kind of giving away your Legos, right? Sometimes it's making your organization smaller. Sometimes is you know um, stepping away from the the big super important product that you own and like I want to go build something new, right? Uh, or vice versa. Sometimes it's leaving something new that's exciting, you know, and going like, I want to go scale a product. So you kind of have to give something away to make the space to do something big. Um, um, and you need to, do, to take that risk sometimes, but then you need the trust and uh, in, in support of people who, who will, one, help you along the way as you make those risks, which, you know, I got tons of help from, from folks at Square. Um, and then people who will give you those opportunities. I like that. And I think it's a super important message. The, I mean, the trust, I think, uh, I don't wanna say it's an obvious one, but I think it's a very well-known one. But what I think people often have a hard time with is understanding the give and get of new things, yeah. right? And I guess the giving away the Legos is, is the mantra for that at Square. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's fascinating how that works, right? It's happened to me in my career so many times. And that, it's the irony that that moment, you know, um, for lack of a better term, the, the come to Jesus moment that I had was actually part of the stress I, I felt where I flew to New York um, was I, I felt like I was losing something um, and, and I was, but <laughs> losing that and having the conversation about it actually led to sort of my, you know, one doing to the e-money thing, which led to me taking over you know, the orders team um, uh, a few months later, which has sort of led to where I am now. Um, and um, in my, you know, I, my role, if you, if you judge it just by scope and size, right, is four times bigger than it was at the time where I felt like I was losing the thing. Um, so if I had held on to that thing, who knows, it would still be that size. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was able to let go of something that was smaller and now the thing I have is four times bigger. So would I have had the bandwidth to do this? No. Um, and so you have to sort of make space to do bigger things. The, that's kind of a nice bridge to what's next for you. You know, what, what would you be willing to kind of give away to make some space Ooh. for something? Good question. Um, I think for me, I, I'm the last maybe year or so, I got really good advice from, from uh, and I, I will mention him. I, I try not to mention names of the people. People will figure out who the people are. So I won't mention this name. Um, but someone who, who's worked at Square a long time, who now works at Tidal, um, <laughs> gave me really good advice um, sometime last year about um, the importance of succession planning. Um, so I'll start with that and then I'll talk about specifically what I'm working on. Uh, and their point was succession plan is important. One, it's important to grow people that, that work with you. Um, but it's also important because if you do it well, so not like cosmetic succession planning, right? Not, not you know, I have a puppet. <laughs> uh, 
actually building up people who could do your job um, means you get the optionality to either take on more things or leave it all completely, which is what this person did, and go do a whole new thing. Um, and I think, and people might ask, well, how is that related to product? Well, um, it, it, it's related because you need space to build things. And I think that's, that's maybe what I will say about what's next is, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and, and, and I'm doing this already that I can create space to, to, you know, to work on the next sort of big foundational things for commerce. You can't do that if you're just operating, right? Um, you need space and time to think about, you know, like I tell the checkout team sometimes, like what is the next like signing on the screen? Because we created that at Square, where you didn't sign on paper, um, that didn't just happen, right? That that comes from thinking about it and figuring out how do we change the, the experience completely. Um, and so you need space to think about the next sort of fundamental shift in how people do commerce. Uh, and so I've been thinking about that a lot. Of like, how do I grow my team, and how do I get the team to a place to where they can kind of operate without me most of the time? because that gives me the space to, to think about the next thing. It gives me the space and the team as well, um, space just to, to think about what's next for commerce. Because what we're trying to do is to get to a place where, you know, commerce is borderless and, and, and boundaryless, um, where you can, you can buy and pay for and receive things anywhere, anyhow you want. Um, you want to buy stuff on TikTok? Fine. You want to buy stuff at a store? Fine. You want to, you know, do both? Fine. And so we were trying to get to an ecosystem where commerce has no boundaries of any kind. It's not e-commerce versus not e-commerce. It's just, you want to buy a thing? It's, do you have a relationship with the person selling it? And we figure out how to make that interaction and that exchange happen. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm working on. <laughs> you know, it's vague, but it's, it's sort of the goal of all of our, of my teams is how do we, how do we take out the boundaries from commerce? Um, and, and yeah, it's super exciting. And I think that continues to help folks who are not well served because then we can meet them wherever they are. Um, you don't have to start a shop. You don't have, you don't even have to go to the farmer's market. You don't have to build a website right? You have a thing you want to sell, you have a business you want to start, um, you have a passion you want to explore, it should be possible from wherever you are. Um, and, and as long as you have people who want to buy the thing you're selling, your time, your goods, whatever, we should make it possible. Um, and so that's sort of what uh, the orders team that I run cares about so we're working on. Sounds exciting. I mean, Square was one of the early players in the, um, the embedded finance space, right? And it sounds like what you guys are, are working on is uh, just a continuation of what embedded finance use cases are supported. So sounds exciting. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're about leveling the playing field in, in, you know, I tell people sometimes the real innovation of Square is taking something that used to only be possible for a small group of vetted people spreading it across anyone who wants to do it instead of also spreading the risk, right? That's the actual genius, right? Is the more people you bring in, you sort of spread the risk across more people. Banks didn't need to do it because it was risky. They only wanted the, 
they, they were risk averse and only wanted the non-risky people to be able to take credit cards. Well, like, well, what if everyone does it? That spreads the risk, right? Right. Uh, and so we, we just, we do that everywhere. Yeah. You uh, spreading the risk and giving away the Legos and lots of other really good morsels of uh, inspirational knowledge today. We are coming to my favorite part of the show, which means I get to ask you my favorite question. Oh, what boy. would you yeah. say, my friend, what would you say should go into a museum dedicated to the world's most important products? Are you going to say Square? Well, obviously. <laughs> um, um, but other than Square, <laughs> um, airplanes which may seem a little boring, but anyone that knows me will know, you know, that makes sense. Because, you know, a, a lot of things I've done in my career and, and what I just described, and we didn't get into the details of e-money as much because, you know, um, I'm happy to talk about that some other time, but I've always gravitated towards complexity. So the, my work now is incredibly complex. When I was at Walmart um, building, um, um, you know, ML-driven forecasting, pricing, and, and, and channel decision logic, super complex. When I was at Monsanto, working on, on ag tech and smart agriculture, super complex. Uh, and so I, I gravitate towards complicated problems um, that solve real problems, that, that solve real things in society. Um, and planes are magic, right? I think we take them for granted because we've had them for a while. Uh, I mean, you're in London. I'm in, I'm in Atlanta. I was just in London a few weeks ago. Um, I was in Philadelphia a couple of weekends ago. Um, uh, and, and as someone who has a global family, airplanes are actually the most important product to me because I, I couldn't live my life without airplanes, first, first of all, so it's personal. Um, but think of a plane. Think of, and I lived in St. Louis for a long time, uh, and, and Boeing you know, was based there. Think of you know, as product people, think about all of the thousands of products in an airplane. Uh, think about the interdependencies and the interconnectedness between all of the products in an airplane. Everything from the windows to the cushions on the chair, to the flaps, to the avionics. Um, I can't think of a more complex sort of ecosystem of individual products and decisions that people need to make. And oh, by the way, it has to work all the time. So as you build sort of, you know, whatever it is you build as a product person, you know, think about the bugs you have and, and you know, uh, and your backlog and think about if you had to build a product that had to work all the time um, and all the fail safes it had to have. Um, so planes are fascinating and, and they work and they keep getting better, obviously, you know, uh, and they're incredibly safe, which is, you know, to, on on, on, on the whole. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've always been fascinated by planes uh, of all kinds. Um, and then you take it to like, you know, uh, uh, another level. So the planes that go to space, it's a whole other level of complexity, right? Or, or, or military planes, right? And you know, now you're, you're worried about like armor. And, and so yeah, planes, I think, um, unless, until we are able to teleport, um, Planes will be up there because it'll continue to be complicated. And and kudos to all of the people who build planes, and 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 the folks who have figured out how to keep keep that going. Because like yeah, I think planes are, I, they're fascinating. As a as a person who also has the global family, I can't tell you how much that resonates with me. And while I love those planes, please 
Boeing, somebody get that teleporting going. Cause how nice would it be to just be able to walk into the I know house, that would be know? nice. You know, I heard they're working on sort of, sort of some new version of Concord, um, which I never flew on one, which actually was one of the, one of my regrets in life is like, you know, by the time I, same, same. I was old yeah. enough and could afford to do it, they were no longer there. I, I did hear, I did hear they were very loud and noisy and, um, but yeah, we need to make the teleporting faster planes, whatever it is like, yeah. Cause you know, flying around the world is, is, is getting, it's getting tiring, but still gotta do I'll, it. I'll take it every day, but if we can make it a uh, better, uh, that, that works. So, well, we've covered a lot today, trains, planes, Legos. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure Absolutely. to have you with me today. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Thank you so much, Tiama. Hope you have a good weekend and talk to you again soon. Stay safe, my friend. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Be sure to share the word of product-led growth far and wide and let your colleagues, friends, family, neighbors, and anyone you think who would like to know that there's a kick-ass product podcast on offer from the Product-Led Alliance. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up to the Slack community and check out all our other great content, upcoming events, and other ways to get involved at productledalliance.com. And let's come back again next time to talk more about the head, the heart of product.